2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. NFL draft tonight. Who do you
0: got? Mm. Trevor Lawrence. That's who I got. What are you thinking about him? Uh, I think he could be good. But also, you know, he might bust. Right. But He might be in the middle. Could go either way. Yeah. Could go any which way. A lot of rumors
2: circulating on draft day, perhaps more so than any other draft day that I can remember. Woke up today, and the first rumor that really popped up was that it sounds like the Niners have flipped, and it's going to be Trey Lance from North Dakota State going number three. We've known all along that the Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence at number one. We've known all along that the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson out of BYU at number two. But that's where the confusion started. We've known all along that the Niners are going to take a quarterback. We just didn't know who. When they first traded up, immediately we thought it was for Justin Fields. Then all of a sudden, there seemed to be smoke surrounding Mac Jones. Now betting favorite, Trey Lance, to be selected third overall. From there, we don't know a whole lot. There have been a lot of connections to Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida going number 4 to Atlanta. At this point, I don't get why Atlanta doesn't just take a quarterback. If it's, I mean, I think Justin Fields would be great, local kid, that would be a great story and I think he's really good. Like I have no idea why Justin Fields has been the name to suffer the most in this pre-draft process where he goes from being almost the unanimous number 2 quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence to all of a sudden being a forgotten guy who some are questioning his work ethic and thinking that maybe he's going to fall a little bit tonight. It seems weird to me. Every team needs a quarterback that if you're the Fal- if you're the Falcons at number four, you have Matt Ryan, who's 35 years old, who is not going to be on this team in two years, and you're going to take a tight end at number four. In a historically deep quarterback draft class, you're going to say, nah, we'll take a tight end. And anything short of him being Kellen Winslow, senior, Tony Gonzalez or Travis Kelsey, that's not going to be a good pick because you can be a great tight end and still not be worth the number four overall pick because a great tight
0: end is not as worth as much as a good quarterback. But even then, even if he is that guy, even if he is Travis Kelsey, if you don't end up getting a quarterback down the road and one of those other quarterbacks who goes behind you eventually you know, does turn into a star, you're still going to kick yourself in the same way that I think it, the Panthers took Christian McCaffrey, if I'm if I'm getting this right. This might be wrong. The same draft that the Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes, is that correct? Yeah, because well, Mahomes was in his third year, maybe it was the year after. I don't know, but surely there's got to be like a quarterback who went behind him. Maybe I'm thinking of the Lamar Jackson draft, or is that the same one as Mahomes?
2: So it was the 2017 draft where McCaffrey went okay. eighth overall.
0: And who, were there any quarterbacks taken behind him?
2: Behind Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there would have had to have been.
0: Um, Christian, Yeah, it was Mahomes, two picks later. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. You come out of the draft with Christian McCaffrey, who over the course of his time in the NFL has been one of the five best running backs in the NFL. You would say, oh, we did a great job. We hit that pick. It wasn't a bust. But you could also say, yeah, but we could have had Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you're never going to have a tight end be a building block of a franchise.
2: Quarterbacks can't be anything other than building blocks, especially if you're taking them in the first round. To not have the foresight to say, this is a golden opportunity. We have a top 10 pick and there are quarterbacks worthy of top 10 picks being there. To not be able to recognize that and seize that opportunity. You deserve whatever's coming to you if you don't do it. Same can be said for a lot of teams up there. You mentioned one of them, the Panthers. The Panthers just traded Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos, who ironically pick one selection behind them. The Panthers are sitting there at 8, and the Broncos are sitting there at 9. If either one of those franchises who don't have an answer at quarterback, the Panthers right now, your starting quarterback is Sam Darnold. Who knows how that's going to work out. The Broncos, I guess it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke Neither of which you know is going to work out. I almost promise you Justin Fields and or Mac Jones are going to be there. And unless you just can't stand those guys, you have no choice but to pick them. You really don't. I mean, honestly... Unless if, unless you're sitting there, if you're the, the Broncos, the last team of the, the top nine to need a quarterback who's going to have a chance at him, if Mac Jones is the only guy left and you just can't stand Mac Jones, if you do not think he's going to be an NFL quarterback, that's your only argument for not taking him. Because next year, there may not be that quarterback and the cards may not fall your way and you are going to be one more year removed of not having an answer at that position. I and mean, it never works out. It never works out for organizations who say, we can get by another year. Uh, we'll just go out and, uh, like the Bears, we'll just go out and sign Andy Dalton. We'll get by. You, usually you don't. Because somebody's job is going to be lost in the process. Like in the case of the Broncos, probably going to be Matt Nagy, right? Or GM Ryan Pace. You're probably going to lose your job if you guys go 4-12 next year. I mean, the Broncos, they just hired George Patton, GM, three months ago time to do like I think a five or six year deal and your first order of business is not going to be to draft you're in the top 10 like you hit your wagon at this guy so I understand there's some risk involved but I can promise you this the risk involved with taking a quarterback at number nine is no riskier than taking anybody else at number nine anybody else because if you take anyone else and they're a bust You don't have the luxury of saying, well, at least it was a quarterback who we missed on. We were swinging for the fences. It's like, no. You tried to lay down a drag bunt, and you still got thrown out. So now what? What's your excuse? If I'm the Falcons, I'm taking Justin Fields at four, and then letting everybody else, because you get there to five at the Bengals, they're obviously not taking a quarterback. Maybe they take uh, Jamar Chase. Maybe they take Kyle Pitts. Maybe they take Sewell, the tackle, out of Oregon. You get there to the Dolphins, they're not taking a quarterback either. They just got to, uh, I think they're going to give him at least another year to try and earn that job like they're in a position where it makes sense to not take a quarterback but after that I mean the Lions you just traded for Jared Goff I guess you can go with it I good mean look we've, we've seen some good Garrett, Jared Goff but the, the flip side of that is who is who is the Lions weapons on offense yeah DeAndre Swift at, at running back you've got seriously these are this is seriously the receiving core for the Lions, Tyrell Williams, Prashad Perriman, and Quintes Cephas. Those are your three starting wide receivers. You lost Kenny Galladay to the Giants. I can understand why the Lions would say, we need help at the receiver position, go draft one. I wouldn't fault you for that. But the Panthers, you need a quarterback. Broncos, you need a quarterback. There's a reason why there's always a run on quarterbacks, but this year more than ever, it makes sense. This year, more than ever, a historically deep quarterback draft class, there should be five quarterbacks taken in the top ten. Now, it's insane to trade up to number three like the Niners did to take Mac Jones, which we thought was going to happen for the longest time. But now that we know it's not going to happen, if Mac Jones just happens to fall to you, it's a little bit harder to fault you for pulling the trigger on that. Speaking of the Niners, the second NFL draft rumor to begin circulating earlier today was that the Niners had reportedly reached out to San Francisco or had reached out to Green Bay, offered them the third overall pick in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. Mm. There would be more things changing hands, more assets going from one place to the next, but it sounded like the deal was going to be built around the third overall pick. Aaron Rodgers, the Niners were going to be willing to kick in more picks and more players. The Packers wouldn't budge. When that rumor became public, The first reaction for everybody was, of course the Packers didn't pull the trigger, and more so, what do you guys think you're doing for even reaching out? You really thought that the Packers were going to trade the reigning NFL MVP for the third overall pick? They just drafted a quarterback in the first round last year. They still have Aaron Rodgers. What do you think is going to happen? Well, a few hours later, a bombshell report comes out from Adam Schefter. That reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers, is, quote, so disgruntled with the Packers that he's been told told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. The Packers are aware of his feelings, concerned about them. They have had their president, their general manager, and their head coach each fly out on separate trips to meet with Rodgers at various points this offseason. Their general manager has stated they are committed to Aaron Rodgers in 2021 and beyond. He is a vital part of their success. They look forward to competing for more championships with him leading the team. But that Aaron Rodgers, this is according to Adam Schefter's report, has not budged. Now, they've been working on a contract extension and oftentimes when teams are working on contract extensions, this can be used for leverage for players who are tired of continuing to go through negotiations. They want a deal. Here's my leverage. Now I'm floating it out there that I want out, putting public pressure on you to get this deal done. Otherwise, everyone's going to think that there is trouble, a brewing, and that I'm gone. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network confirmed as much. He said, over the last month, Aaron Rodgers has had his agent fly out to Green Bay for several days of meetings to work through the situation. Rodgers refused to restructure his contract. He wants an extension. Other teams started calling, knowing that Rodgers was frustrated. Green Bay told him peel off, offered him an extension again, no deal. Jay Glazer, this is this is the final guy I'm gonna source for this story because everybody's adding their little two cents in. Jay Glazer said that Aaron Aaron Rodgers told the Packers he does not want to return. And he believes it's more than a contract dispute. Quote, I think he's pretty strongly convicted that he doesn't want to go back to the Packers. Who do you think is more to blame for this? Well, we know who's to blame, but what's to blame for this more? The fact that the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round last year or the fact that Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal at the end of that game against the Buccaneers when it was very obvious you needed to go for two or you needed to go for it on fourth down. Mm. Is it the fact that it feels like a team is not committed to, to putting a championship roster around you Or is it the fact that you don't see eye-to-eye with your head coach and the decision in the NFC Championship game was the icing on the cake?
0: Or do you think he enjoyed his time at Jeopardy so much he just wants to be traded to the Jeopardy team? He does have a good fallback plan. Mm. He doesn't have a good fallback plan. He has a fallback plan. Right. Does that but I I, I'm joking around there, but in all seriousness, like does that give him leverage at all? Like, you know, with, with some of these other quarterbacks who or just really any position you demand a trade and it's like, yeah, but what are you gonna do? You're not gonna sit out. With him, a guy who's older, who does have this fallback plan, does it make you almost more willing to trade him as the team because you know that kind of yeah, like if we don't trade him, like he actually is fine just go doing going and doing Jeopardy, you know?
2: I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it would make it easy. If I if I wanted to play hardball with Aaron Rodgers, I'd say, okay, cool, go. See ya. We'd rather you do that than trade. Like, you have options, then go exercise him. If, let's just say hypothetically, if there's a deal done in the next— because if he's going to be traded, it will be today, right? You don't do it tomorrow when every team's biggest piece of draft capital is now gone. Let me just ask you this first. Do you think there's a deal done today? Is Aaron Rodgers still a Packer at the end of the day?
0: At the end of today, yes. Why was that? What, do you think it's tomorrow? <laughs> yes, no. Um, I don't know. I just feel like this is so rushed to all of a sudden be done in one day. I agree. But that's not
2: fun. So let's assume that there is going to be a deal done today. Packers trade up to number 3. Niners get their guy. Which, by the way, this is the reason why the Niners were calling it's because Aaron Rodgers told the Niners, "If I'm getting traded, I ain't going to Miami. I ain't going to New York. You get the deal done, right? He's got a home there from the air. Uh, perfect. If they did that deal, Packers get number three overall. They still got Jordan Love, their first round pick from a year ago. Do they take another quarterback? Do they take another quarterback at number three? Have this would be pretty. This would be pretty special to have two quarterbacks." drafted in the first round in consecutive years the guy who's already there still hasn't taken a snap so you basically got two first round quarterbacks
0: neither of whom have any NFL experience yeah, just trade the other one trade Jordan love but how do you know who to trade well I mean they at least like have been seeing him in practice well how do you know they don't think he's like super special okay then take somebody else with the third pick know, take you- Jamar Chase Jamar Chase and Devonte Adams Oof. I don't know though are you trading Aaron Rodgers for a a wide receiver Okay, then trade Jordan Love.
2: Well, that's not the point. <laughs> I don't think it's a him or me situation with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what it is. All I know is this is what the NFL draft is about. Last year all we were concerned about was like the draft room, we were seeing these guys on Zoom, we saw Bill Belichick's dog, we saw Cliff Kingsbury's pool house, like all of that stuff was cool. Now this year, we're getting back to you know some actual interesting sensational storylines on the NFL draft night. And I'm absolutely here for it. We're going to hear from Scott Chasen of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. Still nothing new on the KU football coaching front. It's been sort of a dead 24 hours. I thought something was coming yesterday, and now we're kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the other shoe to drop. I got to imagine a decision either has been made or is going to be made very, very soon, but... um. I don't know, maybe it's a news dump. Dump it right during the NFL draft so nobody can talk about it, which is the opposite of what you want, right? You want this to be the story. So maybe today wouldn't be the best day for that news to drop. I don't know exactly what Travis Goff and company have up their sleeves. We'll talk about that with Scott coming up here in a bit. And This segment's brought to you by CycleZone Power Sports. If you own a large chunk of land, you're probably always fixing things or hauling stuff around. You might be stuck using your pickup, which is overkill, or using a golf cart or a small four-wheeler, which can't always get to those muddy places or carry everything you need. CycleZone Sports carries a line of workhorse side-by-sides called the Defender. Payloads up to 1,700 pounds, towing capacity up to 3,000 pounds, perfect for carrying everything you need. Defenders feature three- and six-person models with an optional enclosure so you can keep cool or warm in whatever weather. And even though these things pack up to 82 horsepower, they're super quiet, which means they're perfect for hunting, especially if you get it in camo. Stop by CycleZone Power Sports in North Topeka and check out the
0: Can-Am Defenders. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with RockJock Sports Talk and/or the Best of RCST Podcast. For more information, contact D. Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's D. Johnson at gpmnow.com.
2: So there's a couple of Jayhawks who hope to hear their names called over the weekend. There is one Jayhawk who will almost certainly hear his name called tonight if not amongst the first 5 or 6 picks. And you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh Jayhawk what? legend Jamar Chase. Oh, that's right. You may remember Jamar Chase was one of I mean, you know, no no. Jamar Chase was the Best wide receiver in football, not last year but the year before, 2019, and uh, that former Jayhawk going to be hearing his name called tonight. Probably going to be the first wide receiver taken off the board. You may remember that statistically impressive season that Chase had didn't come as a Jayhawk per se. Well, or even officially. Transitive property. Yeah, uh, he uh, did that at LSU uh, on a national championship team. But before that, before he was at LSU, he committed to, well, Florida, and then he decommitted from Florida. But before he committed and decommitted from Florida and then committed to LSU, he committed to Kansas. That's right. February, I believe it was February 4th, 2017, Jamar Chase committed to play for KU. Now, by February 12th of that same year, Jamar Chase elected to decommit. From the University of Kansas. But, you know, we still have that week. And you can't take it away from (laughs) us. The greatest week of my life. That was the same time when Corion Harris, as well as Devontae Jason, Mm. all committed. Three top 250 recruits in the country, all committed to come play football for David Beatty and the Kansas Jayhawks. Only one of them actually did play football, and he didn't play it at a high level. That would be Ko Harris. But at least he got him there. You know what that will serve as? I remember at the time we were talking about those guys coming to Kansas was, you know what, Uh, who knows if they're even going to end up staying, but they they got people talking about KU, and that's a good thing. Was it? Did anything change? Did that in any significant way impact Kansas football stock? Because I'm sitting here in 2021, and it's
0: looking like it's near the all-time low. It's bottomed out yet again. Could tonight, do you think they'll bring it up on any of the broadcasts? Former Kansas wide receiver? But it'll be like a joke. It'll be like, can you believe this guy was committed to Kansas for a week? What if he gets up there, he pulls open his suit, and he's got like the inside of the suits red and blue, like a Jayhawk? Well, that's what I meant by like the transitive property. Like Anything that he does well, you, know, you could say at one point he wanted to go to KU. Or at least, you know, claim that. So, like, you can you can take a small claim in that, I guess. So, I think at the time that that
2: happened, wasn't this the time when all of these Louisiana players were boycotting LSU? I think so. So, this was right when Ed Ogeron had took over at LSU. And he fired... Two position coaches. And those two position coaches were guys who were very, very entrenched in the local New Orleans recruiting scene. And this pissed a lot of these New Orleans football, high school football coaches off. Oh, a new coach comes in, not taking care of our guys, the guys who have always taken care of the players that I've sent to them. You come in, you fire them. Well, now we're going to start to flex our muscles a little bit. We're not giving you any of our best players. You think we're bluffing? Well, three of our best players just committed to go play for KU. That had to have been a bad bluff because if I'm LSU, I'm saying, okay, well, if you would have sent them to Auburn or something, it would have seemed believable. If you would have sent them to Arkansas, it would have seemed believable. A&M. You sent them to Kansas, okay, I bet they'll stay. A week later, well, I guess a week later for one of them, like Jamar Chase decommitted oh, a week later. Devontae's Jason was a little bit longer, and Coe did end up staying. So, in that regard, great. But that's probably the only reason those guys ever committed to KU in the first place, and the Tony Hole connection. Recruiting,
0: man. Recruiting. Do you think if they would have ended up keeping the commitment of Jamar Chase and um, there was also the Najee Harris was never committed, but there's that picture that circulated with him in the KU shirt. If they would have got Najee Harris and Jamar Chase to actually play for the team, what are we talking about here? Uh, Well, talking about neither
2: one of them being first-round draft picks tonight. (laughs) How's that for a start? But also, like— I would take it this far. If you're a KU fan and you're saying, let's just go with Chase because he actually committed to Kansas— If you're a KU fan and you're saying, I wish he would have stayed at Kansas, that's actually uh, the rudest thing you could ever say. Because what you are effectively saying is, I wish that kid's career would have been ruined. I wish he wouldn't have uh, caught, what was it, like 20 touchdown passes on an undefeated LSU team last year.
0: I wish that he would be an unknown. So, like, I mean, because I'm trying to think. Stephen Sims wasn't drafted, correct? Correct don't think so. It could be wrong. Jamar Chase would have put up better numbers at least than Steven Sims. You would think. I would agree. He's obviously not going to be a first-round pick. But, you know, he's going to impress in workouts. Like I said, he's probably putting up better numbers than Steven Sims. He's probably like a, a middle to late-round pick. And then it's like you said, all of a sudden, you know, Jamar Chase ends up being a fifth-round pick. And then we look back on 10 years and we're like, holy cow. Is wide receiver one... Biggest once, steal ever.
2: You know, with, like, defensive tackles... uh linebackers, you cannot... You Even quarterbacks. Like, look at Trey Lance. You can come from smaller schools. or I guess more importantly, it's not about smaller schools, it's about being on bad teams. And it's not going to affect your draft stock that much because they'll say, you know what, there was only so much he could do and look at what he did do. But... Is wide receiver one of those where it's like, no, you really can't afford to be a, a wide receiver on an awful offense because you're just never going to have the ability to showcase how good you are. You can't do it. When is the last time they're like, oh, yeah, he only caught, you know, 36 passes last year, but that's because he had the worst quarterback in the country, but I'd still take him with the first round pick. No, that would never happen. That will never happen. Not at not that position. Kind of makes me think about, like, recruiting and wanting to reevaluate. Like, is it? Like when those guys go out there and get these four-star kids, that's like, wow, they're the gym of the class. Is that really what we should aspire for Kansas football to be doing? Does it <laughs> matter? No, does it matter? Not, not. Do you want them? Because of course you want them. Does it matter?
0: I think it does if things are rolling. If you're, because, but things haven't been rolling for twelve years. So yeah, I know. Like but you're, if they're rolling, okay, I mean, come I know. On. But but come on, if you're a head coach, are you going to recruit and tell the kid, you know? I don't know. We're not rolling right now. You probably won't do much for us right now. So you, you probably don't want to come here. Or are you going to... But but that's not even my point. My point
2: is that the, I am convinced they only got these kids to come here based off some sort of a gimmick. Like, we just saw it with Quay Davis. It, like, you have to say it out loud. Does this five-star recruit want to come to Kansas, or is it his only option? What did we find out? Probably was his only option. I mean, decommitted from two other schools before he wound up at Kansas. Yeah, It wasn't just a, you know what, I want to buck a trend and go to, no, you don't. No, you don't. Jamar Trace, oh, oh it's like family. No, it's not. No, it's not. You do not want to be here. You need kids who, who want to be here. And even if they don't, If they're the kids who wind up at Kansas because they're from LA and UCLA didn't recruit them as hard as they wanted, or USC didn't recruit them as hard as they wanted, or they wind up at Kansas because they thought they were going to Texas, but at the last minute, Texas gave that scholarship to some other kid, so they come to Kansas as a last resort, but also with a chip on their shoulder, like I want to prove to Texas and all the schools in that state that didn't recruit me hard enough, I'm going to play them, and I'm going to prove to them what they missed out on. Like Those are the kind of kids you want, the chip on the shoulder guys, not the guys of I literally am not going to be able to play football if I don't come play here, right? There's a difference. And I'm not trying to make fun of or poke, or like make light of any of that situation. That's a reality, man. That's a reality of how some of these kids have ended up at Kansas. Like the four-star kids are great. The more of them you get, the better chance you have of winning. History would show you that across the board. But Kansas is never going to get a lot of those guys. And the only way to win consistently at Kansas, given the circumstances, right? Recruit at a high level, do your best. But more importantly, you've got, to fix the player development. Where has that gone? Where has that gone? Get a quarterback and develop talent. It's your only path forward. We'll talk more about it with Scott Jason, 24-7 sportsfog.net. He joins us next. This episode is brought to you by Tommy's Express Car Wash. Join the Tommy Club. You can download the Tommy Club app and enjoy endless washing for one low price, Derek. That means unlimited car washes. Unlimited, clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, which, by the way, I've taken advantage of. It's kind of like the the express lane on the highway. You don't necessarily like to lord over everybody else, but when you're zooming through and getting in to get your car washed first, like that's why it's called Tommy's Express, right? You get unlimited access to all their locations, unlimited guest service, and perhaps most importantly... Unlimited happiness, Derek. And I think that's something that we just don't emphasize nearly enough in life. I'm looking at your car right now. I'm thinking it could maybe use a trip to Tommy's Express. What do you got going on later? Thinking maybe you should stop there on your way home. You going to at least consider
0: it? I will absolutely be going to Tommy's Express car wash.
2: Now the, the outside of your car, the exterior, it does look okay. Where my concern begins is the interior of your car.
0: Yeah. When you have a a dog... I don't think the inside of that car has seen a deep cleaning in quite some time. No, when you have a dog, when you have a golden retriever, you got hair everywhere, and they have those vacuums that, you know, it's going to get out for you. So, yeah, I'm definitely making an appointment. Tommy's Express Car Wash.
2: What I love about the the vacuums at Tommy's Express, the cord comes down from the top, so you're not having to try and wrap it around your car and getting yourself into a pretzel. No, very flexible vacuums. You want to go to the left side of the car, the right side of your car, you're perfectly good. Tommy's Express Car Wash... Wash, rinse, repeat. I just saw a report here from CBS that Alex Trebek reportedly made $10 million a year to host Jeopardy. If Aaron Rodgers comes to them and says, I'll do it full-time, but you guys got to meet me. Like, I deserve more than Trebek. Does CBS... Pick a little bit more into that bucket? You think he could get 50? I mean, is is Aaron Rodgers worth more than that? Or do you say, hey, man, there's a lot of qualified candidates who would take way less than what you're asking for? I don't
0: know, man. Alex Trebek's a legend. I think it's easy for us in the sports world to say, oh, Aaron Rodgers is more popular than Alex Trebek. I would disagree with that. I think worldwide, nationwide, more people would probably know Alex Trebek.
2: You're probably right. I'm just living in my little sports bubble here. Scott Chasen. 24-7 24-7 Sports, Fog.net, joins us now on the show. What do you think, Scott? Do you think Aaron Rodgers falling back on his Jeopardy love would be a good contingency plan if the Packers don't end up trading him?
3: Yeah, I mean, first of all, how crazy has today been? Uh, Trey Wingo just tweeted that Aaron Rodgers believed yesterday he was heading to San Francisco. So, I mean, if that's true, um, I mean, just absolutely insane I, I would say this. I actually think Alex Trebek was underpaid then if he was only making 10 mil, because yeah, I'm sure Jeopardy brings in a ton of money. Uh, probably, I mean, I don't know what their audience is, but I feel like Jeopardy is on year-round probably like at least five times a week. And you can't really replace Alex Trebek, as we've learned. So uh, I'm surprised he was only making about 10 mil. I mean, that's like Skip Bayless money. Uh, and I think Alex Trebek could do better.
2: You mean Aaron Rodgers? Well, Who's no, more, no, I who's, mean who's less
3: replaceable,
2: Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay or Alex Trebek on Jeopardy? I think that's a fair there
3: question. There are a lot of quarterbacks. There are a lot of quarterbacks out there. There is only one Alex Trebek, or was only one Alex Trebek. So I'm I would, and I'm not even, like, memeing or joking. I think Alex Trebek should make more than Aaron Rodgers at their respective jobs for, I guess, the, the, the duration of their career, certainly. But, like, year over year, I would pay more money for Alex Trebek to host my Jeopardy show than I would Aaron Rodgers to quarterback
2: my team. Wow, you're talking about one of the all-time greats. The all-time greats. I feel like, I feel like they're on equal footing in terms of greatness. But you know, that's your opinion. You've always been a little bit higher on Trebek than I have yeah. over the years. So uh, this isn't much of a surprise. Hey, by the way, dude, do, does KU get to claim Jamar Chase when he gets drafted in the top six tonight?
3: I think they get to, to claim everyone. I think someone, someone like jokingly made like a Justin Fields Georgia like edit. Like, well, look at this quarterback we produce. Um, but you know, I, I think if you're Kansas, you certainly can claim anyone who's committed. You can claim anyone who's visited. You can claim uh, someone who, I guess, picked someone else over you. Why not if you're Kansas football and have a little fun with it? On a, on a serious note, I don't expect them to do anything, but. Yeah, I think it would absolutely be funny if like the KU football Twitter account put out like an absolute legend, you know, congrats yeah. to Kansas footballs, whatever, and tweeted the picture. I think it'd be funny. I don't expect them to, but in, in actuality, no, uh, I, I think, you know, they can't claim him. But uh, certainly if they wanted to have some fun with it, I think it'd go over well.
2: What about Puka Williams? I know they can definitely claim him, but do you expect him to hear his name called this weekend? Is he, is he NFL draft selection worthy?
3: You know it's interesting. Um, I think I probably said this last year on your show, uh, if not before then. But I kind of devised the Kansas football NFL draft rule, um, and that went back to like Dorrance Armstrong, Daniel Wise, those guys. Which is whenever you hear a prospect's peak um, and they're a Kansas football player, you add three rounds to it, and that's usually where they end up going. And the, the example last year was Hakim Adeniji, who we were told could go as high as a day two selection, ends up going sixth round. I'm pretty sure Daniel Wise went undrafted, um, you know, stuff like that, where you, you take their peak and you drop them three rounds. And, you know, similarly, we heard that Puka Williams at one point was, you know, potential day two guy. I mean, some boards had him, you know, maybe going into the year as a second round, third round kind of guy. And, you know, for one reason or another, obviously that production wasn't there. Um, just kind of skimming through, you know, big boards of, of kind of the respected analysts. Uh, People have him as a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder, a seventh rounder and undrafted. So uh, I don't think anything is off the table. I do think he would be a steal as an undrafted guy uh, just because of the on-field attributes. But, you know, it would not shock me in the slightest if he had to wait to day three, if he had to wait, you know, for the sixth or seventh round, just because, uh, you know, one, his size Two, I don't think he had the best testing three. There's some off-field stuff there. And, you know, he obviously didn't really produce in his last year was injured. So, um, I think there are some legitimate questions, but I do think he'll be, uh, at the very least, a decent NFL player.
2: I'm kind of trying to put neat little titles over the last uh, few tenures, the, the last few coaches who have been at Kansas. Like with with David Beatty, I felt like it was you know the way that he focused on. Recruiting, and I'm not saying he did it at an incredibly high level, but that was clearly such a commitment to recruit, especially the Louisiana area and then the shortfalls of recruiting when he went to the JUCO route like his predecessor did it ended up costing him in the end. With Les Miles, it was also recruiting, but it was simply the way they went after high school kids, unlike what his two predecessors did. And those recruiting classes that Les Miles brought in, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they end up stacking up once we get to the the end of them, but they went after all high school kids. That's, that was the, really the only the only mantra that you had to stick to was recruiting all high school kids, and they did it. As we start to get ready for this next coach, and we don't even know who it is, but it sounds like it's going to be one or two guys, either Lance Leipold or Jeff Mungan. Do you feel like, once again, recruiting is going to be the slogan that we're going to hear these guys pitch, or do you think we could see a deviation from that? And if so, what do you think that might look like?
3: Yeah, I mean, recruiting will always be extremely important. I think player development and maybe stabilization just become, uh, you know, two things that are incredibly important. Just because Les Miles, as as you know, did the the you know first two years of the rebuild, he did the dirty work, he set the table uh, for whoever comes in after him. That. You know, what an opportunity if you take this job that you'd probably never have, which is, hey, Les Miles, the guy who is one of the best recruiting coaches, I mean, really of all time, but, you know, in the nation for a long period of time, he's going to work with, you know, your resources and do two recruiting classes for you. And then you just get to go and follow that. I'm not saying KU has a bunch of four- and five-star guys. Obviously, they don't. But what I do mean by that is, There is some talent now. There is a base. There are high schoolers. You don't have to go through that winless season. 2021, or excuse me, 2020 is in the past, and you really only get to experience the upside of that. First year is going to be a struggle, and after that, you really should be competing for wins. So, um, you know, assuming there isn't a mass exodus, I would say, you know, an era of player development of, you know, maybe identifying, finding guys, coaching them up and, you know, putting a a complete and polished product on the field, maybe, you know, instilling some discipline. Um, I think back to the David Beatty era. And one thing that really sticks out to me, was, I can't remember when, but he had a press conference where he basically said he guaranteed Kansas would not have another substitution penalty. I don't remember if he said the rest of the year or the rest of whatever. And then I believe it was the very first play of the next game (laughs) they had a substitution penalty. And like, right there was like this guy, I mean, he wants it. He wants them to be disciplined, but he just has no idea how to instill that in a team. Um, And obviously there were other reasons why it, it didn't work out, but you know, I think from that perspective, discipline, player development, I think those things will be, you know, very, very important. And, you know, if some players do leave, then obviously recruiting and evaluating and bringing more guys in, too. Recruiting always matters, um, and it probably always matters most to a program, but certainly there will be uh, some other things. You know, if you want to call them left uh just mix up the names there or combine <laughs> them, then uh, that guy will uh, have to handle, too.
2: I agree with you in the in terms of it, the importance of recruiting, I think, though, it's about the types of guys that you're going after. And I, I'll just be honest. I thought that David Beatty's staff was, was chasing recruiting rankings. I do. I, I think that they were going after guys that they thought would be easy to sell, that they thought would be easy to help get them attention. Because I think that was also an M.O. of both of those two coaches, was that both David Beatty and Les Miles and those regimes were so focused on how can we just bring eyeballs to Kansas football? How can we just get people to pay attention to us and to just sort of turn their heads and go, what is going on over there? And I'm not saying that that necessarily is a bad thing. I'm saying that it doesn't matter when people turn their heads and and they get the answer to the question of what's going on over there because the answer was resounding, not much. Uh, Getting some high-profile guys, a couple of which weren't even on the team for more than a, uh, a cup of coffee. I'm not saying don't go after those guys. I'm saying... I I wonder if this next coach is going to focus on two things, going after and just getting the right guys, whether or not they are highly regarded or not, the guys who fit within their system and within their culture, and more so if they're just not going to be concerned with outside attention, if they're not going to be concerned about doing gimmicky things to impress recruits or get noticed on social media. Because I'll be honest, and maybe I sound like old man shaking his fist at a cloud, but That's the type of stuff that gets really annoying, I think, for a lot of people who just want to see this program turn around.
3: Yeah, and and look, I think to an extent, you can do both. Um, I don't think anyone would deny your claim that Les Miles was very interested in the attention side of things, and that was sort of the direction of the program. Now, I also think one difference is the staff really did evaluate some guys uh, that they were able to go out and get who became instant contributors and very good players. Um, And I also think there's a bit of an elephant in the room that you have to address, which is... In terms of recruiting to a system, I mean, we all knew Les Miles at most was going to coach Kansas, what, like five, six years, maybe, um, if he got there. I think most of us assumed uh, it wouldn't even last that long. So whereas you go in and bring a different guy that that you probably expect to to stick around for a little bit, and I think uh, instilling and putting in a culture, um, I I think it just looks a little bit different. I think you do get a guy who's going to recruit more to a, a system or more to an idea, whereas And I'm not saying you would not take, you know, the best players available, but I I think under Les Miles, there were times where it was more about, hey, you know, maybe I like a body type or maybe I like, you know, X skill set, but... At the end of the day, hey, this guy's really good. He's interested. We think we can get him. Let's go recruit him. And um, I'm not saying either approach. I think it's wrong because I do think it's important to have those kind of standout talents that you find and you really have to battle some other schools for uh, and maybe come with attention or you land a guy and it, you know, people make a big deal about it or whatever. Um, I think those recruitments are really important too, but. Um, To your point, I I do think you know there is some cadence to the idea that you don't necessarily need less miles uh, to recruit Kansas well and to recruit kind of a winning strategy, the right type of player that you're looking for. I mean, a lot of coaches find a lot of different ways to do it, so uh, there's probably a happy medium in there, I'd say.
2: At this point, does the timing matter? Spring game coming up on Saturday. It kind of felt like for a couple of days now that something should be coming soon or could be coming soon. Do you think that there would be any harm in – announcing this tomorrow, 24 hours before the spring game, would that be a good thing, bad thing? Um, How do you kind of see the timing playing a factor into this at this point?
3: Well, I think an ideal timing, honestly, would have been being able to do it before today's practice. And I guess you wouldn't rule it out because I don't know, technically when they start, I guess, they get done at about 6 p.m., so probably not. But um, just because you might give that coach the chance to go through a couple practices, go through the spring game, uh, even if they're not actively coaching, even if by rule you have to take an assistant off the field, uh, just to let that guy get an in-person feel for a couple of days uh, and kind of experience things. But I don't necessarily think you know it's the biggest thing in the world. And I think you know my colleague Kevin Flaherty was on your show, and I think he very aptly said uh, this is not just about the 2021 season. You know, there's there's so much more of a bigger picture. So, yeah, I think ideally, if he could have, you know, or I guess still could uh, have the chance to check out a couple practices or whatever. I, I do think that would be a positive, certainly addressing the players, maybe even, you know, working with a couple of the players on something that he's already noticed. If the candidate has put in, you know, that much research or whatever. But, um, yeah, you know, whenever they do it, I mean, I, I still expect it before the spring game. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, a good time to announce it, even if it's been reported. You know, why not do some something with the spring game, get a bunch of people in the stadium and get people excited? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a huge thing timing-wise. I'm, I'm not sure it makes a huge difference either way. But I do think there would be a slight benefit to doing it earlier rather than waiting.
2: He is Scott Chasen. You can check out his work, fog.net, 247sports.com. He's going to continue following this KU coaching search very closely as it comes down the home stretch. Scott, always appreciate the time. Oh, before you go, um, do you mind if I rapid fire some RCST trivia questions at you? I know you were a big fixture in this competition so far as to having a few contestants call you out, make merchandise with your name on it. So it would only be right for me to throw you a few questions if you're game. Yeah, sure. Okay, Derek, cue the music.
3: All right, Scott. You promised me a level four, by the way.
2: I'll get you to a level four, but we're going to warm you up first, okay? What KU center holds the school record set in 1957 with two... Will Chamberlain. Un- okay, see, I knew he'd be the type. He'd be the type to answer before. That's a dangerous game. You're playing next question. In 2010, Kansas was led in steals per game by a freshman one-and-done. Who was it?
3: 2010. Kansas was, lit. okay, so let's think. 2010, that's Guy to narrowing it down. It's either Selby or Henry. I'm just going to go Xavier Henry.
2: That is correct. Selby would have been the next year in 2011. Great job, two for two. Now things are going to get a little tense here as we get to question number three. Scott, here it is. What Big 12 opponent has KU taken the most losses to in Big 12 regular season play? Oklahoma State. Iowa State then? That is correct. Scott, the uh, big brain move there. Just answer it. Immediately answer it again, and we may just give it to you anyway. Okay, last question. Here's your level four question. I'll give you I'll give you $40 cash. Actually, you know what? I'm in crypto now. Okay? I'll give you I'll give you 50% of all my Ethereum if you can get this right. What Kansas big man led the team in blocks per game in each season? From nineteen seventy-nine to nineteen eighty
3: one. Oh man. I don't I don't even have a guess for you. I've got no clue. Buzz him.
0: Buzz him! You sure, Scott? You should uh you should check your check your text messages. You just texting the answer? Are you kidding me? You said you'd give him something.
3: Well no cheating. I don't want you feeding he didn't him answers. No, he- alright, alright, hold on. Let me, uh, let me take a guess here, okay? Okay. I'm just going to guess a random name. I'll pick a random first and last name. Does that work for you?
2: That's perfect.
3: All right. What's the most generic first name I can think of? Uh, John. Okay. Okay. Um, John Crawford.
2: Wow. wow. Oh, Holy my God. God. How did you do it, man?
3: Derek texted me.
2: Incredible. <laughs> Impressive, nonetheless. I'll... Uh, Give me your give me your uh, crypto wallet and I'll get that payment over to you promptly. Scott, thank you for the time, sir. Thanks for having me. He is Scott Chasen. R C S T trivia coming up next. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. <laughs> Quick shout out to all of our sponsors: R C S T trivia, Twenty Third Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by Twenty Third Street Brewery. Open for dine-in, carry-out, and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self mac and cheese, the Haney turkey stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their Crowlers. All right, day number four of RCST trivia. I'm nervous about today. I'm, n- I'm going to be nervous today. I'm going to be nervous tomorrow that in the middle of trivia, KU football is going to name a new coach. And we've already made the executive decision Trivia comes first, right? This competition was planned out months in advance. They didn't have to wait till this week to name a coach, okay? They knew we had this coming. That's ill-advised and short-sighted on their behalf. We move forward. The show goes on. Day four, round two, RCST Trivia. Everybody who wins this week gets into the prize pool. So if you're winning, you're moving on to the sizzling 16, and you are collecting $20 to CBD of Lawrence and that coveted custom RCST t-shirt. And our next competitors getting day four of round two started off comes to us from the South region, a five thirteen matchup between Kevin and Jeff. Kevin is a returner from a year ago. We shared the stat yesterday that so far of the 10 contestants who have already made it to the sizzling 16, nine of them were in RCST trivia a year ago. Kevin, you're in round two, trying to make it to the sizzling sixteen. Do you feel like the experience helped you in round one? Do you feel like it's gonna help you again today?
1: Well, I hope so. I you know, part of the part of this deal is, you know, being able to think quick and manage your nerves a little bit. So I think I had a little bit of nerves the first round. I, I feel like I got that out of my system and I should be good to go today.
2: So you're cool, calm, collected as you get ready for this matchup.
1: I hope so. We'll see what kind of questions you throw at me, but for right now I'm feeling pretty good.
2: All right, we will see. And you're going to be taking on Jeff, who is a 13 seed, pulls off the upset in the first round. What about you, Jeff? Are the nerves gone here before your second matchup?
4: You know, it, it
5: felt good to um, kind of get past the first round jitters, but, uh, you know, there's always a little bit of nerves involved uh, when you're uh, in something like this with a lot of great uh, competitors. So it should be fun.
2: All right, guys. Well, let's go over some formatting before we get started here. Everything's going to be the same from your first round matchup. The only big difference is that we have removed those layups. We've removed those really easy tier of questions because it's a waste of time. You guys don't need it. You've proved that much by making it to the round of 32. But everything else is going to be the same. Questions will still get progressively more difficult as you answer them correctly and move throughout the rounds. We'll keep going until one of you guys gets a question right, the other one gets it wrong, at which point... We will have our winner of the matchup who is moving on to the sizzling 16. You still have 30 seconds to answer. Your timer begins as soon as I get done asking the question. And we will play you a five-second warning. When you hear this ticking sound, that means you have five seconds left to answer. Get your answer off before you hear Eric Collins. Yeah, if you hear that and you haven't answered, you're out of luck and you're out of time. Kevin, Jeff, getting us started on a Thursday. You guys ready to roll? Let's do it. Ready to go. Okay, Jeff, you are the underdog. You have the option of answering first or second. Which do you choose?
3: You know, I'll go second.
2: Okay, Kevin, first question is for you. What country was former Kansas one-and-done Andrew Wiggins born in? Canada. Canada is right. Maple Jordan, a nickname that never really caught on due to the fact of the lack of similarities between Andrew Wiggins and Michael Jordan. Okay, Jeff, question number one for you. Jeff, what continent was former Kansas one-and-done Joel Embiid born in? What continent? Africa. Africa is correct. Great job, guys. Moving on to the second round of questioning. And Kevin, we are going back to you. Kevin, what team did Kansas defeat to win the national championship in
1: 1988?
2: Oklahoma. Oklahoma is correct, right down the street in Kansas City. Jeff, question number two for you. 1997 saw Kansas ranked second in the first three AP polls. Before they were number one the rest of the season. The rest of the regular season. Then they were upset by what four seed who eventually won the title in the round of 16?
5: Man, this is burned into my memory. Arizona.
2: That's that's on the Mount Rushmore. That's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of toughest losses. I don't know what else is up there. Uh, I think... VCU for a lot of people in Northern Iowa. Honestly, just any Elite Eight loss. <laughs> but that's the one. Sure, yeah. The Arizona one was the one where everybody, okay, this might be the greatest team that KU's ever assembled. All right, great job, guys. Two for two to start us off today. Now the question's going to get just a little bit more tricky. Let's dim the lights. Let's change the mood here. Kevin and Jeff starting us off here. Five thirteen matchup from the South region. Kevin, back to you for question number three. Nicknamed Pony, this KU player helped lead the team to the 1986 Final Four and is currently 20th all-time on the KU scoring list. What's his name?
1: I don't know the 86 team all that well. Cedric Thompson? So close.
0: That is so close. It is Calvin Pony Calvin. Thompson. Calvin Thompson. Regular on RCST uh, during Rock Shock Round Ball Classic time.
2: That's right. That's right. Okay. You are close. You were close. Got the right initials. Got the right last name. Calvin Thompson was what we were looking for. So, Jeff, if you can answer this question correctly, you are moving on to the next round. Jeff, Wilt Chamberlain and Clyde Lavellet are the top two Jayhawks for career points per game. What KU player who played at KU from 1960 to 1961 is third on that list at 21.3 points per game?
1: Let's
2: go, uh, JoJo White. The correct answer, Wayne Hightower. That's a tough one. Wayne Hightower. You get into the points per game discussion. Everybody can look at the all-time scoring list. Points per game, a little misleading. You know, Wilt's obviously at the top, but he's not anywhere close to the all-time points because he only played two years. Okay. Kevin, Jeff, you guys are both still alive. Kevin a new lease on life here as I give you another question Kevin KU's top three scores in school history all surpassed the 2000 career points mark fourth on that list ended up just 21 points shy of 2000 what was that big man's name
1: Well, I know that Manning's one, obviously, and I'm pretty sure Collison is second. So it'd have to be somebody who played f- probably four years. Um I'm not sure if LaFrance got there. I'll say Rafe LaFrance.
2: Rafe LaFrance did get there. Rafe LaFrance is number three. Number four on that list, Clyde Lavella. Clyde Lavella, just 21 points shy of 2,000. Okay, Jeff, once again, you have the opportunity to end this matchup and advance on to the next round, if you can answer this correctly. Jeff, only two KU players have ever scored 50 or more points in a game. One of them was Wilt Chamberlain. Who was the other? a lot
1: of good ones to choose from. We go, Wiggins. Andrew
2: Wiggins, I believe, had 41 in that game against close. West Virginia. The correct answer a few, a few decades before Wiggins, maybe a, a generation or two, Bud Stallworth. Bud Stallworth had Fifty on the dot against Missouri. Against Missouri, there's that famous picture of them uh, carrying him out that you see on the uh, the pregame videos there at Allen Fieldhouse. Okay, guys, take a deep breath. We're going to get back on the train here. We're going to move back a zone and see if this is what gets it done. Kevin, we're going back to you now. Kevin, who is KU's winningest coach in terms of total wins at Kansas?
1: Fog Allen.
2: That is correct. Fog Allen, after all these years, still reigns supreme. All right, Jeff. In 2001, Kansas lost in the Sweet 16 to Illinois. And what current Hall of Fame basketball coach? That
5: would be Bill
2: Self. That would be Bill Self. Okay, there we go. That's what you guys needed. We call that a slump buster. All right, you guys. (laughs) You guys railed off a few a few L's in a row there, but you're back on the train. Let's get it done, Kevin. Back to you. Let's see what you got, man. Kevin, what's the name of this high-flying KU player who played from 1998 to 2001, and he is 19th on KU's all-time scoring list? Kenny Gregory. Kenny Gregory. Is correct. At least up until a couple of years ago, I think he held the NBA combine record for highest vertical jump. And then like Shane Larkin came in and beat it. Goes to show having the highest vertical ever doesn't lead to NBA success. Okay, Jeff, need this one. What Jayhawk player led KU in scoring in both 1992 and 1993?
5: Go
2: Adonis Jordan. Mm. Rex Walters. Rex Walters. Ah, That was my other
1: guy.
2: Yeah, those those teams were kind of balanced. Everybody remembers Adonis Jordan. He was second, I think, in both years. But Rex, back-to-back, all Big 8 selections, obviously led KU to uh, the Final Four there in 1993. That was a grinded-out game, but we have our winner, and Kevin, the 5-seed, moving on. To the sizzling sixteen, Kevin. Congratulations! How's it feel, man?
1: It uh, feels good. I kind of wish i had gotten some more of those questions. I feel like I messed <laughs> at least one of them up that I should have gotten. So I gotta have to do better if I want to go any further in this deal.
2: That's actually that's a big brain move. Is to get questions wrong. That way you get more questions. Therefore, by default, you learn more of the answers. I see. see what you're doing there, Kevin. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it looks like. All that matters is. You got the win. Survive in advance. You know all the cliches. Jeff, had a few opportunities there to uh, deliver the knockout punch. Couldn't get it done. Take me through what you're feeling right now, man.
5: Yeah, you know, uh, that, there were some tough questions there, and, uh, and uh, you know, it was a great, uh, great back and forth. Uh, my uh, last question, I, I knew it was one of the, those two guys. Uh, went with uh, Adonis, because, you know, Rex feel like played more point on that team so uh it was a good matchup and uh and uh looking forward to uh, maybe doing it again next year
2: yes sir well jeff thank you i see you rocking that orange bull polo so uh repping the football team here on what's a busy week for football so thank you man thanks for calling in thanks for being a part of rcst trivia kevin congratulations we will see you in the next round that's
5: good thanks guys thanks
2: RCST Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and taproom located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at TGBrews.com. Everybody who wins in the second round of RCST Trivia and makes it into the sizzling 16 is going to win a $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, as well as an RCST t-shirt, which, as we all know, you cannot possibly put a price tag on. All right, matchup number two today, RCST Trivia. It is the round of 32. That last matchup went long, not because we had a lot of correct answers. That wasn't... Uh, an offensive showcase. It was more of a grinded-out defensive battle, and we're okay with, you know, mixing some of those in, but overall, what do we like? We like dingers. Chicks dig the long balls. I want to see a lot of scoring. I want to see a lot of points. Let's see if we get that here in our next matchup going back to the Midwest region. It is a 3-6 matchup between Ryan and Jess. Fellas, happy to have you back. Ryan got the win last week. Year one... You made it all the way to the sizzling 16. You do that here, you'll be one of a select few to go back-to-back. Back. Is there any pressure in sort of repeating from a season ago?
4: Uh, honestly, I don't feel the pressure to repeat. I was kind of thinking about it today, uh, and I'm I'm kind of of the perspective that I'd rather lose today and get challenged than, than win easily again if that was the only other option on the table. Wow. I think i only had to answer four questions to get to the sweet 16 or the sizzling 16 and only had to answer two in my last matchup so man i'm hoping you know with a guy like hawkman here i'm hoping i can get pushed a little bit today
2: yeah i think we have your stats right here seven and one all time and that's in four rounds
4: yeah not a lot not a lot of shots going up (laughs) but a high percentage so
2: that's right you're like virginia you're like tony bennett there's not going to be a lot of scoring slowed down grind it out. We'll see if that changes today. Hawkman, you got bounced early last year. We talked a lot about yes, I did. it. You were a 1 seed and much again like Virginia, you you got knocked out early. Big time upset, but kind of feels like you redeemed yourself with the first round win this season. So now that that's taken care of, is there a little bit less pressure weighing you down this week?
1: Uh According to my friends, no, because with a name like Hawkman, I should be winning this thing every year. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, getting that first win feels good, so just baby steps. Baby steps. Maybe get where I need to be.
2: There you go. Little by little, right? That's more coach speak. Game by game, day by day, just want to get 1% better every day. There you go. Ryan, Jess, happy to have both you guys back, both with RCST Trivia Experience, now 10 of the 11 contestants who have made it into the sizzling 16 have experience from a year ago. After this matchup, no matter who wins, that's going to be 11 out of 12. Makes you think, kids. Makes you think how important experience really is. It may not matter the NCAA tournament, but in this tournament, it's big time. Ryan Jess, you guys know the rules by now. The only thing that's going to be different from your first round matchup is we have eliminated the very easy questions. We did have five tiers of difficulty now we only have four tiers of difficulty, but everything else remains the same. The questions will still get progressively more difficult as we move throughout the rounds. You still have 30 seconds to answer. Your timer begins as soon as I stop asking the question. And we will play you a five second warning. When you hear this ticking sound, you have five seconds left to answer. So make sure you get it off. Oh! You guys ready to do this or what?
1: I'm ready.
2: All right, Jess, you are the underdog. Not the one seat anymore. You're the underdog. Chip on your shoulder. You get to choose between answering first or second.
1: I want to go second.
2: All right, Ryan, first question is for you, and here it is. Ryan, KU's all-time leading three-point shooter. By total threes made, he hit 338 of them, playing under Roy Williams from 99 to 02. He's now the head coach at Missouri Southern State. Who is he?
4: Man, that's a rival school. I represent Washburn here. Uh, wow. Uh, head coach Jeff Boshi.
2: That's right. Your head coach would be Brett Ballard, also a former Correct. KU player. But, uh, yeah, we just got uh, Kim Martin from Missouri's Southern State. So thanks a lot, Boshi. All right, Hawkman, question number one for you. Second on that list, with 296 career threes made, is a guard who played for the Jayhawks from 2015 to 2018. He's now playing in the NBA. What's his name?
1: Devontae Graham.
2: Devontae Graham is correct. Look at that gap between one and two. 338-2. That's wow. like a, another half season. All right. Question number two for you, Ryan. Which KU guard got hot and led the Jayhawks in scoring... During the 2018 NCAA Tournament run to the Final Four?
4: The March Malik Newman.
2: Malik Newman, 21.6 points per game. Which goes to show, nobody cares what you do in the regular season. If you do that, you can be a legend. Jess, question number two. Nick Collison dropped 19 points and 21 rebounds in the 2003 title game. KU guard tied him for the team with 19 points of his own. Who was it?
1: Mine's going to Heinrich. I'm going to go with Manfred.
2: I'm glad you thought through it because your mind was going to Heinrich and that would have been incorrect.
0: He had a rough game.
2: Yeah, didn't he miss like a million shots from the free-throw line? like
0: 20 shots in the game.
2: Yeah. Not a memorable game for Kirk Kiner. Glad you thought that through because that is correct. Kay Freeze, Keith Langford. Great job, guys. Two for two to start us off now. Things are getting a little tense here. The 3-6 matchup in the Midwest region. Round two of our CST trivia. And, Ryan, we go back to you now for your third question. Ryan, the most points ever scored by a KU player in an NCAA tournament game was 44 by this man in 1952.
4: Clyde Lavellett.
2: That is correct. The year that Kansas will go on to win the title. Hawkman, back to you. The most points ever scored by a KU player in a Big 12 tournament game was thirty one by this player in two thousand four.
1: <laughs> two thousand and four. Hmm, Julian Wright. Mm.
2: The correct Man. answer would be big dub. Wayne Simeon. Wayne Simeon, Julian Wright, I believe was a part of that first full class that Bill Self brought in, or the first big the time class, year. 2006, yeah, so yeah, they're... would have been 05-06 the first year for Julian Wright, sometimes the years yeah. just sort of trip you up, and, and that's what happened there as, as Ryan, congratulations, back in the Sweet 16 for right, yet Ryan. another season, Ryan, how do you feel?
4: Feel good, And I finally got to hear some of the tense music, get a little bit of the uh the drama build up. I felt like I had had a lot to prove today and uh happy I got to be pushed a little bit. Um man, that's that two thousand four, that senior class with Miles, Lankford, Simeon, all those dudes. It could have been any guy on any given that's a tough question there in two thousand four. But great job. Great job, Jess.
2: Ryan, Thank do, you, you. do you feel like you silenced some of your critics with your performance today?
4: Uh, you know, I don't honestly think I had many critics because I've been flying <laughs> so under the radar. There's just hasn't been, I'm just kind of that guy, like just kind of steady, steady. The only loss I had was to Tate, uh, who ended up winning the whole thing. So, um, man, keep keep turning away, maybe get to go at Isaac in a couple rounds. There's a, there's a lot of stuff still on the table for me.
2: That's right. You're going to be matched up in the next round with the two seed Connor, who made it to the round of eight a season ago. Hawkman, uh, I, I saw you sort of, Kind of dough, doughing yourself after that one. No, when I told you the years, just how are you feeling now after missing that one?
1: No, kicking myself, but you know, got to do a little better research during the off season, study my notes better and game plan better for next year.
2: Well, you said it before that baby steps, you know, sort of just getting better little by little. You got bounced in the first round in year one. You made it to the second round in year two. I think yeah. at this point, you're only you're, you're trending in the direction of a championship in three or four years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs>
2: hey, we hope to see you back, Hawkman. I know we will. Thank yeah. you for being a part of this, Ryan. Congratulations. Right. We'll see you in the next round. Thank you, fellas. Good luck, Ryan. Right, guys. Thanks. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Sporting Kansas City. MLS is back after finishing at the top of the Western Conference last season. Sporting Kansas City is ready to take the field and paint the wall this year. And if you haven't heard, Sporting Kansas City will be welcoming a limited capacity crowd again this season. To watch Sporting Kansas City live and in person this year, go to slash SKC. And because you're a listener of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, use the code SKC RCST at checkout to get an exclusive discount on tickets. Again, use the code SKC RCST at checkout and receive an exclusive discount. For our listeners at checkout, we'll see you at Children's Mercy Park. All right, one less matchup today in round two of RCST Trivia. We'll have three more. Is that right, Derek? Is that my math right? Three more tomorrow. And then our field of 16 will be set. Everybody who's winning today and tomorrow and this week gets into the prize pool. If you make it to the sizzling 16, $20 to CBD of Lawrence, as well as that RCST t-shirt. We got a great matchup here to close out the day. Our defending champ returns once again. The one seed in the Midwest region, Isaac, taking on the contender, the eight seed, Aaron. Aaron, we were talking to you before the uh, before this matchup. You've known for a while now, a couple of weeks almost, that you're going to be going up against Isaac, the Wonderkind What have you done? What have you done
5: preparation-wise? How has that sort of affected you as you get ready for this matchup? Nick, I feel like I'm back in school again. I've been cramming for finals, just studying every day. These last two days have been have made me miserable. I've been staying up late, just <laughs> digging deep into some KU facts, and I swear if I get out on an easy one, I'm going to be kicking myself. Well, that's what it takes,
2: man. The preparation is key. I mean, as evidenced by the fact that I think it's 11 now of our 12 people who have made it into the Sweet 16 or the Sizzling 16 are people who were in RCST Trivia a year ago. So the— The experience helps, but if you don't have the experience and you can't manufacture that, the only thing else you can do is prepare your tail off, and it sounds like you've been doing that, and hopefully it serves you well. All we want is a good matchup. We don't care who wins. We don't play favorites here on RCSD Trivia. We just want great showdowns. Isaac, you're back. Did you? I don't even remember how many questions. You got the Bob Boozer one. That's right, Bob Boozer (laughs) in round one. So as if you didn't prove enough last year, you come back and knock down Bob Boozer to move on to the second round. Uh the official RCSD trivia statistician has you at 21 and one. 21 and one all time in trivia questions. You gotta feel pretty confident, man.
5: Yeah, um, you know, proven proven multiple times that, you know, I'm the top dog and it's the shot everyone wants to take. But of those 21 questions. I don't know how many of the 21 that I've got right, I remember, but I do remember the one that I've missed.
2: Well, you know what? It's kind of like it's kind of like when Tiger Woods was at the peak of his power, and he's in your head before you even step onto the, the tee box. You know, you see that red, you see the red shirt and the black hat, and you're just like, "Holy cow! I got to play with him today." It's over, it's over. That's kind of the, you know, until somebody defeats him, that's sort of the, the burden, so to speak, that Isaac carries with him. Well, guys, I'm excited to get this going. Last matchup of the day, and uh, the winner will be taking on Kyle five seed kyle coffee in the sizzling 16 you guys know how it works by now the only difference from your first round matchup to today we have removed the layups we've removed the very easy questions other than that everything else is going to be the same you guys will progress through the rounds you answer a question right we go into a more difficult set of questions we'll go until one of you guys answers it right one of you answers it wrong you still got 30 seconds to answer your timer starts as soon as I get done asking the question, and we will play you a five-second warning. When you hear this, you got five seconds. Get your answer off before you hear this. Oh! If you hear that and you haven't answered, you're screwed because you ran out of time, and you've automatically got that question wrong. You fellas ready to go? End us on a high note today. I will take your silence as a resounding yes. Aaron. Naughty. <laughs> Aaron, you are... The eight seed trying to take off the top dog. You have the option of answering first or second. Let me go first. All right. Let's go. Aaron, your first question. What former Jayhawk was known as the Big Dipper?
5: (laughs) I remember listening to this last year, this question, and I had no idea. Uh, But I'm glad I listened last year. Will Chamberlain. There
2: you go. You can't have the experience. You might as well go back and review the film. That is correct. Not only... Not only the Big Dipper, former Jayhawk legend, also a former KLWN DJ. People forget that. Yeah. I don't even know if that's factually correct, but it's sort of a myth at this point, so we just keep it going. No, that's true. Ah, okay. Well, I know he was a DJ somewhere. All right, Isaac, first question What former Jayhawk was known as the truth? Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is correct. Great job on the nicknames, boys. Moving on to the second round. Aaron, we go back to you for your second question. Aaron, in the 2011 Sweet 16, Kansas defeated their 12 seed opponent from the Atlantic 10, 77 to 57, despite 22 points from Justin Harper. Who did they beat before losing in the next round to VCU? Richmond Richmond Spiders. I believe that was the game where there was a little, uh, there was a little tunnel spat as Ku was standing in the way of Richmond. The
0: Morris twins getting in a tunnel spat. What? I know, <laughs> I know. It's hard
2: to believe, but yes, I believe that was the instance. All right, Isaac. Question number two for you. In the 2005 NCAA tournament, Kansas lost in the first round, 64 to 63, behind 19 points from Kevin Betancourt and this opponent.
5: Bucknell.
2: Bucknell is correct. We heard a question about Bradley yesterday, then Bucknell today, often referred to as the Killer Bees. All right, great start, boys. I said we wanted a good matchup. So far, so good. Aaron, this is what you wanted, man. This is what you wanted. You wanted to go up against the best, and you are doing it. Question number three, Aaron. Who is the only KU guard to crack the top five on the Jayhawks' all-time scoring list?
1: Uh.
5: I'm gonna go with uh, Sharon Collins.
2: Wow, that is correct. Sharon Collins comes in Right at fifth, before or after, I should say, uh, four big men.
5: It seemed like a bit of a
2: guess, but that doesn't have you don't. I have was to thinking be
5: Frank Mason at first.
2: You don't have to be certain. We don't need certainty. We need accuracy, and you were accurate in your answer. Strong Collins, number five, Isaac. We go back to you now, Isaac. What KU guard holds the school record for best single season three point shooting percentage? He shot fifty. 0.5% from three-point range. And I will give you a caveat. You have to have taken at least 60 attempts.
5: You said guard? KU guard. Yes. latest Kirk Heinrich.
0: Kirk Heinrich is correct. I would have never gotten that. The fact that he answered that within five seconds. <laughs> Aaron Miles is second at
2: 50%, but yeah, Kirk Heinrich holds the record. I think Svee was going for it, wasn't he? He, probably he couldn't have been close if you had to get 50. That is correct. Great job, guys. What and, a matchup. And now what we're doing is we're moving you into, for the first time today, by the way, the very hard tier of questions. So even if you lose, if you get one of these questions right, automatically get the RCST t-shirt. Automatically get the t-shirt if you answer one of these questions correctly. But I know you guys got your sights set on bigger things. And Aaron, we're going back to you now. Who was KU's second-leading scorer behind Wilt Chamberlain on the yeah. 1957 team that lost in the NCAA title game?
5: Oh, I'm kicking myself for this one. I was looking looking at that roster, and I was like, oh, he's not going to ask a question like that. <laughs> uh, something weird. Ah. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I saw the name Pat. I don't know if I could put the last name together. I just, I think I saw that name on that roster somewhere. I don't
2: know. Okay. Well, <sighs> let the timer play out. The correct answer was Gene Elston. Yeah. Gene no Elston. I don't know if there's a Pat on the team.
5: I, I I don't know. Maybe I was glancing at, like, the year before or something. I was just,
2: I don't know. It's okay. Doesn't matter if you got closer or if you whiffed. Miss is a miss, so don't worry about it. Still alive. Isaac, though, you have a chance to end Aaron's hopes by answering this question correctly. Isaac, KU had their first consensus All-American in 1938 and their second consensus All-American in 1941. I need you to name one of those two players. (sighs)
5: I'll just say Paul
3: Engelman.
2: Isaac. Howard. Howard Engelman. Yep. Yep. Fred, Fred Praley or Howard Engelman. (laughs) The fact that you got the last name would have been good. Would have been impressive enough, but no, not Paul Engelman. Howard Engelman. All right, Aaron, you're still alive, and we're going to go back to you now for your next question. We're going to move back. We're going to move back a difficulty tier, okay? Aaron, here's your next question. Marcus Garrett won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2020. Prior to that, what Bill Self big man and current NBA player was the most recent Jayhawk to win that award? Uh, can you repeat that real quick Marcus Garrett won the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2020 prior to that what big self big man and current NBA player was the most recent Jayhawk to win that award Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year
5: Uh, I want to say either Udoko or Jeff Withy. Uh, you Udoko mm.
2: Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid won that award in 2014, 2014, okay, so Isaac, if you get this right, you're moving on, Isaac, outside of Wilt Chamberlain, the most free throws made by a KU player in a conference game came in 2017. What KU player hit 16 of them against West Virginia? Frank Mason. That is correct. That is correct. And, Isaac, you are moving on to the sizzling 16. You almost had a chance to kill shot with uh, Engelman. You guessed Paul Engelman. It was Howard Engelman. But then you come back, took you no time at all to get the, the Frank Mason one. Did you feel like you were maybe on the ropes there a little bit after missing that first one?
5: Uh, definitely. I feel like once you have the opportunity in front of you, it's like, I knew the answer just said the wrong first name. As soon as I said it, I knew it was wrong. I was like, it's not even Paul, but, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, um, I've listened to every episode this year. A lot of people have you know shown out, getting a lot of praise, but I came in here today, remind everybody, the champ's still here. The the title goes through this room right
2: here. Okay. Okay. But, but here's the, here's my question. I think the question that a lot of people have, Isaac, are you in a part, take us, you know, show us how the sausage is made. When you're doing your research, are you really going back and checking stuff from the
5: 1930s and 1940s? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would say it's it's less, it's less research It's kind of more familiarizing yourself. Um, you know, jerseys in the rafters, you know, just certain years. Um, there's a lot of, a couple of jerseys up in the rafters from that era. That was just one of them. But yeah, I mean, it, you got, it encompasses, there's about 20 pages in the media guide. I have them saved in a PDF on my laptop. Ooh. I scroll
2: revealing revealing the secrets we'll see how that goes but there you go it's working for you moving on to the sizzling 16 welcoming all comers aaron you were right there man you were right there uh it maybe a little bit of confusion on that last question which maybe shortened the clock for you a little bit take me through sort of that miss and how you're feeling oh
5: kind of relieved honestly like i've been stressing out about this for a long time and uh, win or lose. I mean, I'm happy to be a part of this. This was fun. It's made me a better KU fan. Isaac, I, when I found out I was playing him, I knew I was going to have to dig deep. So I learned a lot of stuff, just researching KU history that I did not know before. So uh, I don't know. I'm glad I did this last year. I regretted it. I think I would have killed it last year because I was playing along as you go live on the radio. Yeah. But, uh,
0: I feel bad. I, I, feel, I, feel like I feel like we've taken years off your life with the stress that you've been <laughs> yeah. overcome See, with. it's tough because you immediately think the question he got, you think Bill Self... Defensive big men, you do think he, what he, the guys he brought up, Doak and Withy, but obviously it was twenty twenty. Marcus Garrett won it, so that was the year Doak. Yeah, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, Duke Doak didn't play, and then you just immediately think back, and you are like, wait, but Jeff Withy's not playing in the NBA, and that was one of the hints there.
2: He won it because Withy was back to back I thought
5: about years. that too. I wasn't sure if he was still in there. So
2: yeah, yeah, Withy won it back to back years, and then Embiid in two thousand fourteen. I think he just didn't. He, he averaged like two and a half blocks a game yeah. that's usually enough to get it done yet it's tough some of those can be a little tricky with the wording and the the different caveats but so goes it aaron i thought you did great i wish you would have been in it last year as well an eight seed this year probably moving up the seed line after going toe-to-toe with the champ isaac so great job aaron we'll see you next year isaac business as usual my man we'll see you in the sizzling 16
5: thanks nick hey
2: go kill it isaac RCSD Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785-749-4808. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. Isaac just gave you the blueprint there. I mean, sharing the, the insider secrets for his process. And it's clearly working out well. But there you go. I mean, he told you right there what he's doing to get ready Obviously, it works, so if you're somebody who has your sights set on a title in RCST Trivia, you better match that preparation because you already know what he's capable of and what he's doing
0: behind the scenes. Yeah, a lot of things you can study. He mentioned the media guide. You can study sports reference. You can study their past tournament runs. A lot of things to go over. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, anytime It's like the NFL, you know? It's a copycat yeah. league. Be A exactly. copycat league. But you put that in dichotomy, that last matchup, because that was a great matchup to finish. I thought Aaron, really, like you You said at the end there, if he comes back next year, he'll obviously be a higher seed. I've said that to, like, 20 guys this year. Yeah, it's have, true, though. It, it is true. Yeah, you do well, and you're going to get a higher seed. It's that simple, especially if you were a lower seed this year. Um, but you compare it to, like, our first matchup, which was kind of a, a close matchup where it was going back and forth with misses, and it's like, well, there's, there's an idea of what you can study to try to get on that next level. But it got me thinking, actually, in that first matchup, And I I don't know what's more likely. Do you think we're ever, because if we do this for a long enough period of time, like eventually you're going to have a big enough sample size, whether it's a a matchup like the Isaac Aaron one, where it's just both of them keep getting questions right. But like the matchup between Kevin and Jeff, I just got thinking like that Syracuse-UConn six overtime game. Uh If we do this long enough, are we going to get one of those eventually where it's like, we just asked 15 questions and we were here for 30. We've gotten minutes. close. Yeah, we've gotten close. There was one like that last year. What do you think's more likely though? It's it's I think like lean that. Was in that one or something. It's like that one where you have them both missing a bunch of questions or it's one where they're both just hitting everything.
2: Missing. It's easier to miss than it is to hit. These are tough questions. And if it's going on long enough, you're probably getting to the later rounds. I mean, if they're missing the easy ones and going back and forth, that would be
0: the worst possible scenario. Like they can't even get past that first or second round of questioning. Do you think ever, I mean, this year we're done with the really easy. Do you think ever we'll have both contestants miss a really easy? No. Because this year we had less than we did last year, and next year we'll have even less. I hope
2: to see a future where we uh, where we can just remove them, honestly, where we can remove them. But it goes to show that, obviously, we still have to keep them in. We still have to keep them in for that first round until we get a year where nobody misses. If we get a year where nobody misses them, then maybe the next year we remove them. But I'll I'll go ahead and tell you right now. Next year, round one, those really easy ones are staying around because uh, they're still tripping some people up. Not the
0: jersey numbers, though. Are we retiring jersey numbers? Have we made that decision? By the way, I was actually looking through. There could be a couple more jersey number questions coming at some point, but they're easy jersey numbers or so, I think. Just when And they're in harder categories. They're not in the easy.
2: Just when you thought we were done with the jersey numbers, could they be making a return? Never know. Or could I be lying? Be careful. Be careful when you're doing that preparation because you have no idea what's coming next. That's the beauty of RCST trivia. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk.